I'm Alex Mozed, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. And so just yesterday, there's actually these bills introduced uh, at the Senate floor to crack down on, um, you know, crack down on these Chinese stocks. DDTG, Davy Day Trader Global was, was complaining about Alibaba being down as a result of the regulation um, or proposed regulation. It passed the Senate and apparently there's bipartisan support for it in the House. So what is it? Um, and and how did this come about? Kind of seems like some people have been caught um, by surprise by this. There has been some fraud. This isn't supposed fraud. This has been legitimate fraud with Chinese tech stocks. Um, one in particular is this Luckin Coffee. So if you don't know what Luckin Coffee is, Luckin Coffee is actually like the Starbucks of China. It's a pretty big deal, pretty big company. So they not supposedly, but actually did commit fraud. They were found out for it. The company fired the CEO and COO. Their founder has apologized for having done this. And now the NASDAQ is delisting Luckin Coffee from the exchange. NASDAQ is taking its own set of action to handle this. And so they are... um, you know, working to put more restrictions in place about reporting requirements and certain, you know, disclosures that need to happen. Uh, and, and now the, the Senate legislation has kind of taken this a step further. And the way they've proposed to do that is to uh, require that certain audits take place. They have also proposed to uh, have disclosures mandated. So if a foreign government owns a part of your company, then that needs to be disclosed and so on and so forth. Basically, there's rumors here that other Chinese firms are committing similar fraudulent issues here. This one, TAL Education Group, which is a China-based tutoring company traded on the New York Stock Exchange. There's now some other companies that are coming into the news. So this is clearly has been sparked by what's going on with the coronavirus in the United States. That I think you know that's the accelerant for this legislation to get I, I think relatively strong bipartisan support in Congress, and but you know this is based on actual legitimate wrongdoing, and a lot of these companies uh, that are listed on U.S. exchanges from say China have more lax rules, and so you don't have the same, for example, auditing requirements. Uh, for many of the companies that you do if you are a public company based in the United States. It's just different rules around it. There's different checks and balances in place for it. And there's just basically lower levels of transparency, which can now lead to some of these scandals coming to light. And now, you know, it really begs the question to say, well, is this the tip of the iceberg? And are there much more of these or not? So you kind of see the NASDAQ is taking action on, on this. And you also see now uh, the U.S. Senate and and House uh, take action as well. What does this mean for the large Chinese tech stocks? Uh, Baidu and Alibaba are both listed on U.S. exchanges. Alibaba is actually listed on both the Hong Kong exchange and a U.S. exchange. Baidu has ap- reportedly looked into moving uh, their listing to an Asia-based exchange, maybe in Hong Kong or elsewhere or Shanghai. But you already don't see 
some of the largest Chinese or, or even Asian tech stocks for that matter listed in the United States. Um, for example, Tencent has an OTC, which means over-the-counter relationship with U.S. exchanges. Actually, the same thing, same thing for Rakuten, uh, which is basically like the Amazon in Japan, uh, also has OTC relationships. So that means that they have more lax reporting requirements than if they were to be listed in the United States. And so now, you know, what's being said is even if you are listed in the United States, you still have a lower bar than companies that are actually, say, U.S. or European companies have even lower standards than than um, than how those companies have to report or be audited, et cetera. So you have a few different levels of transparency here, OTC being the least transparency, these foreign or Chinese-owned companies, tech or not, still being listed in the United States is still a lower bar of transparency and, and regulation than a U.S. or European-based company that's listed, say, on a U.S. exchange. Those are the three tiers. The bottom tier, it's always had murky waters, but now that middle tier is really coming under fire with a lot of this legislation. What does that mean? That means that some of these Chinese tech stocks that are listed in the U.S. and many, many just other Chinese stocks in general that are listed in the U.S. Um, saw some of their stock prices go down out of fear for other kind of regulation that that could hurt their uh, their offering, and uh, and they may need to list on other exchanges, which would lower the overall demand for the stock because it makes it harder for say institutional investors to put money into these stocks. Right, a lot of institutional investors have rules around what companies they can invest in, where they need to be listed. And so you have much more rules and much fewer firms that can actually invest in stocks if they're listed, say, on a Chinese or an Asian exchange versus U.S. exchanges for a lot of the reasons that I'm talking about right now. So we'll see where this comes out, but I think some of the writing is kind of on the wall. So we've kind of seen some fallout from, uh, I've spoken a number of times on the show about tech stocks or not tech stocks, tech startups that are coming under fire because of uh, this pandemic and many tech startups just having things much harder than um, many other businesses who, who where those businesses were profitable pre-pandemic. Tech, a lot of tech startups were not profitable pre-pandemic. Now they're even less or even they're burning even more cash now, and you've seen their fundraising prospects dry up uh, because VCs are very tepid to invest. VCs are trying to figure out what's the new trend coming out of this pandemic and are kind of letting a lot of their portfolio figure things out on their own. So you have this company here, Motif, which uh, recently shuttered its doors. This article came out uh, last week. And the interesting thing was to see that their assets were gobbled up by three different companies. And so the, the three different companies all wanted uh, one sliver of the company. And so that's pretty much what happened. Schwab took the IP and took the development staff. Goldman Sachs took the indexes. So they have these kind of uh, investment vehicles. Goldman Sachs took that part of it. And then um, one of these... Uh, other firms took the 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 clients and the assets around it. So it, it probably is a boon to a lot of the incumbent financial enterprises that instead of instead of saying, 
you know, let's kind of invest in these startups and help them from going out of business. Instead, you're saying, hey, when these companies, startups do go out of business, now we could take those assets at a wholesale price. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that this company motif wasn't a small company. It raised $126 million uh, in capital. I mean, it, I mean, it's not a not slim pickings here. So an abrupt closing as well. You know, a lot of people were surprised. That's what this article talks about. The clients that had the RIA, RIAs that had put money into the business and were managing their clients' money really didn't have advance notice that the business was was shutting down. So, uh, you know, ultimately, everyone kind of made do, and uh, and 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 have kind of taken their little slice of this business. But um, interesting to see some businesses go out of business altogether, and then the incumbents actually benefit from it. And, and gobble up those assets. The last topic is one that a lot of people have been talking about, which is Joe Rogan. It's rumored to be at least $100 million to bring all of his videos and all of his content over to Spotify. We've seen this in a few other areas. We've seen this with uh, Microsoft's Mixer, Take Ninja. We've actually seen Epic Games, which, uh, which creates Fortnite. They launched their game store to compete against uh, Steam's game store, and they locked down exclusive supply. They went to the game manufacturers and negotiated exclusive distribution rights with some of those manufacturers. So a key kind of platform strategy is to uh, get that, what we call kind of like a single or double marquee strategy. You lock in that key supply, that key producer, um, like a ninja, like some of these game developers for for uh, Epic's game store, or in this case, Joe Rogan for Spotify. We've talked about on the show that Spotify has been trying to shift to a platform model where you know the music supply that they have, the songs, is controlled by the RIAA, which is representing the four large music labels. And so Spotify really doesn't have fragmented supply, which means that their margins get destroyed. And so they've been searching for, hey, what are other pockets of fragmented supply and podcasts being a huge area. So we've talked about on the show how this is a, a huge focal point for Spotify to go after this fragmented source of supply, podcasts, and to now kind of double or triple down on that, you see them taking, you know, doing this Joe Rogan deal. I wouldn't be surprised if they do more of these deals. Um, you know, now that they've kind of made a statement here with Joe Rogan, I, you know, I could actually see them branch out into a couple other genres of content if if they're spending this kind of money. Now it's a multi-year deal. Joe Rogan isn't getting a hundred million dollars a year for this. Um, but he is taking down, he would take down all of his kind of back catalog of content off of YouTube. Uh, and so those videos have, you know, huge reach, millions and millions of views, each one of them really. And so all of that revenue is 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 obviously would be going away, all that ad revenue that, that Joe Rogan gets. So I think this is the first of a few deals that we sp- see Spotify do. And I actually think this is a great strategy for them. It's them trying to get fragmented supply. And there's there's a huge industry for this. And it's actually just it's just another, you know, it's all these businesses are kind of taking slices out of YouTube's business, right? Like the Twitch mixers of the world. Now Spotify going into podcasts, you know, you kind of see YouTube's uh, world be diced up on the, on the fringes. YouTube's tried to go into live streaming. Now they're losing Joe Rogan. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if YouTube has anything up their sleeve, but I think this is the right move by Spotify and wouldn't be surprised if we see more deals like this to come. Keeping it brief on today's show, I hope everyone has a great uh, Memorial Day long, long weekend. Um, stay safe, have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.